Thanks for listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Well, we are continuing our, our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, we skipped over the Lord's Prayer, and I promised we'd track back up to it. So that's what we're going to do this week. We're, we're focusing all about prayer. And so let's just dive right in. We're going we're gonna to go back and read a little bit of what we read last week and see what Jesus has to say about prayer. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Oh, by the way, we're in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who is in secret will reward you. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Does prayer work we hear, people hear, we hear people say that sometimes. A lot of times when we have a prayer, something we've been praying for maybe for a long time, something that we desperately need God to act in, and then we see that prayer come to fruition. We see God answer that prayer with a yes. And we say, isn't it great that prayer works? When that person that you pray for healing for receives healing, we say, thank God, prayer works. But I think we need to talk about the implications of saying that prayer works sometimes. Because what if you pray for someone to be healed and then they don't receive the kind of healing that you want? Did your prayer not work then? Was something wrong with your prayer? Did you pray the wrong way? Did you not have enough faith? Or maybe God just didn't hear. Or maybe God did hear and then just didn't do anything about it. If we say that prayer works when we like the outcome, does that mean that prayer didn't work when we don't like the outcome? Does prayer work? And if it does work, then what kind of work is our prayer supposed to be doing? Jesus is giving us a master class on prayer 
in this passage. He taught us how to pray. He didn't just tell us to pray and then let us figure it out on our own. He taught us how to do it. And I think it's worthwhile for us to take a close look at what Jesus says about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount and see how we can learn to pray in our prayer lives so that we can see how prayer is supposed to be working. He says that Gentiles use empty words when they pray, and too many of them. In this Gentile form of a prayer, what they're doing is, you know, they, they had all these gods, the God of the sun, the God of the harvest, the God of fertility, all this stuff. And if they wanted a good harvest, they would pray to these gods, but they weren't sure what was going to work and what wasn't going to work. And so they'd sit here and they'd pray to God A and then God B and then God C. And whichever one of these combinations of words and gods worked, they would say, okay, I'll remember that for next year. My harvest was good when I said these words to that God, so I'll try it again next year. And they, they think they have to persuade their gods to listen to them. And if they can just get the right combination of words, pray to the right God with enough sincerity, then the gods will listen and respond. And Jesus said, don't pray like that. God's not like that. Prayer isn't your vending machine for blessings. You know, it's not like you put in the right amount of money and push the right button and then the blessing you want comes out. And if you can figure out the right words and the right stuff, then you can get what you want from God. That is not how prayer works. Jesus says, don't pray like the Gentiles pray. And then he says, but don't pray like the Pharisees pray either. The Pharisees are praying in front of everybody so that they are, are impressive to other people. And of course, we talked about last week how that's not right because when you pray that way, it affects the quality of your prayer because then you're praying for the people and not for God. So if God's, if prayer isn't our blessings vending machine and it's also not our way to impress other people with our religiosity, then what is prayer? How do we pray? And Jesus gets into it there. So we're just going to break it down and look at the elements of the Lord's Prayer and what it can teach us about how we can pray for ourselves. So he starts off by saying, Our Father who art in heaven. By the way, I, there's no way I'm not going to just refer to the King James Version of this prayer. We say it every week. So I know I read the New Revised Standard Version to you up front, but there's no way I'm going to stick to that version when we talk about it. Our Father who art in heaven. That has the, the function of, first of all, recognizing who God is in relation to us. I am a human on earth. God is our Father who is in heaven. God is high above me, but he's also close to me. It wasn't too common in the ancient world to refer to God as a father. We talk about God as father all the time now, but that wasn't so in Jesus' day. But there's an intimacy there. Not only is God high above us in heaven, but he's close to us. There's this paradox where this God who is so high, who's so hallowed, but is also near to us like a father who cares for us and who loves us. When we come to God and approach him with wanting this intimacy, he won't turn us away. 
So then he moves on to a time of worship. Hallowed be thy name. Because he's worthy of it. And he'll never stop being worthy of our worship. So it is right and good to include worship of God in our prayers. God is holy. His name is holy. He is hallowed. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This to me is the most fascinating part of the Lord's Prayer. It shows that God is up to something. Jesus is up to something. He's ushering in a kingdom. Think about heaven. Oh, we just talked about this in Sunday school. It's crazy how it mixes up. Heaven is the place where God is. And in heaven, God's perfect will is done all the time. Heaven is defined as the place where God gets what God wants all the time. Earth is fallen. It's apart from that. But God is doing something where he is restoring earth to be like heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the, the ultimate plan of God's rescue for the world is to restore the earth to where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and this is the work that God is doing. We need to be on the lookout for, for how we can do God's will on earth as it is done in heaven. And if we're doing that, then we are a part of God's work. We're a part of God's kingdom. We're a part of God's rescue plan for the world when we do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And so in a way, when we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for the world, but we're also praying for ourselves. It's like saying, make me the kind of person who does your will here on earth so that earth will be a little more like heaven than it would be if I wasn't here. That's, that's this aspect of this prayer. God is doing something in the world and he is calling us to be a part of that thing that he's doing. And so not only should this prayer change the world, the prayer should also change me. Because if I'm praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then I'm going out and doing my own thing, and I'm not doing God's will, and I'm disobeying God's law, well then I'm not living out this prayer that I'm praying. I can't pray for God to redeem the world if I am unwilling to be a part of that redemption. If I'm unwilling to be a part of what God is doing in that way. And so we, we're praying for the world, to, to, for God's will to be done in the world, but we're also praying for God's will to be done within us. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, God says we don't have to be like the Gentiles and beg and plead the gods to, to do what we want them to do, but it is okay to ask God for what we need. It's okay. It's okay to ask things from God. God listens to us. It's not a selfish or unspiritual to pray for things that we need. It's not even selfish or unspiritual to pray for things that we want. We just got to understand this doesn't automatically mean that God's going to give it to us. He wants to give us these things that we need. He says, God already knows what you need before you ask him. 
But it's okay to ask. And, and like a good father, he won't withhold good things from us. It's good that we can trust God with our desires and with our needs to ask him for what we need. But also like a father, he doesn't always give us everything that we ask for. But he will provide what we need. If your kids come and want candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like my kids do, I would be a bad father if I said yes to them all the time. Because they need, like, some actual nutrients. God isn't a good father if he just says yes to every single thing. Because he knows what we need better than we know it. So we ask God for what we need. And we trust that he will give us the best thing for us. There's an element of trust there. We can trust God with our needs and our desires. We can ask for them knowing that if he doesn't give us exactly what he asked for, then he'll provide something that's ultimately better, even if we can't even see it. And the great thing is we don't have to beg or manipulate or cajole God into giving us good things. We can just ask and trust that what he gives us is good because he's our good father. And he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, I love that this is a question, this is a request that we can make of God that he will always say yes to. If we ask for forgiveness, he's gonna give us forgiveness if we forgive other people too. How often do our prayers fall short of asking for forgiveness? So often I pray for the things that I want, pray for the things that I need, pray for the people that I love, but I don't pray for forgiveness. It's just, we just assume that the forgiveness is gonna come without us even asking for it. But God says, Jesus includes asking for forgiveness as a part of the prayer. Now, it makes me uncomfortable that he says that if you forgive others, then your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your father forgive you. Because I don't like some people. Some people did me wrong and I don't want to forgive them. But guess what? I've done God wrong. And he says that he wants me to be a forgiver too. That's a tough teaching. It's a hard thing to wrap my mind around, but the receiving of forgiveness has to come with an extension of forgiveness. Man, it's tough. Then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He is a God of deliverance. He wants to deliver you, and he desires us to be free from sin. Now, I always thought this passage was weird. Why do we have to pray for God not to lead us into temptation? Why would God ever lead us into temptation? Why do we have to ask him not to? Now, there's a bunch of different explanations. There's people that write a bunch of, spill a bunch of ink writing about why this part of the Lord's prayer is here. And I just don't, I don't know. There's not an explanation that I have found to be really compelling. But the bottom line, I think, is that we can trust God not to lead us astray. He is going to lead us if we're following him into ways that are good for us. And he's going to keep us away from the evil one. 
So that is how we pray. We worship. We acknowledge God's place and we come to him in a spirit of intimacy. We commit to being the kind of people who do his will so that the world will be more like heaven. We ask for the things we need. We offer forgiveness and we receive forgiveness. And we trust God to lead us in the right way. And I love that this is the type of prayer that someone who lives like the Beatitudes can pray. The Beatitudes are all about connecting us with our loss and our lack and, and how much we need God. This is a prayer that the poor in spirit can pray. This is a prayer that the meek can pray. This is a prayer for the hungry and the thirsty. It's a prayer for those who want to be closer to the Father and who trust that he can provide. We don't have to cajole God into providing for our needs. We can trust our loving Father who wants to give us good things and who loves us. The remarkable thing about the Lord's prayer that gives it so much power is that we're praying in intimacy with the Father. He couches this prayer in the language of familiarity with God, the language of love and care and provision that comes with having a good, loving father. Now, I'm an imperfect father, to say the least, but I do love to give my kids good things. I love it when I can give my kids a gift and their face lights up and I can just tell that they loved it. When I can give them exactly what they want or, or surprise them with something they didn't even know they wanted, man, I can't think of anything that makes me happier. I'd rather surprise my kid with a great gift than receive a good gift myself because I love it when my kids are delighted. but sometimes they need things that they don't want or complain or cry about the stuff that I give them. Try to give Roger Stout some medicine, something that he needs, and it's not a pleasant experience for him or for me, but I know that he needs it. And I give it to him anyway because I know it'll be good for him. The Lord's Prayer connects us with a father who's good, who loves to delight us with good things, but also sometimes gives us things that we need that we don't like. And I think the Lord's prayer is supposed to open our reality that God is, open our eyes to the reality that God's like that too. He delights in giving us good things. He likes it when he can surprise us and make our day if God's a perfect father, then he takes more delight in giving us good things than we do as imperfect parents, delighting in our, giving our kids good things. And so often we lose sight of that. When we pray this prayer over and over every week, I worry sometimes that it can lose some of its potency. It can become just a rote thing that we say. But if we can learn to pray like this, fostering an intimacy with God, dependence on him for our needs. If we can approach God like a child who needs a good father, then I believe that we can see doors open in our prayer lives. I absolutely think that we need to pray this exact prayer. It's powerful and meaningful when we can pray the Lord's prayer together and mean it. But we also need to learn to pray like this 
when we're praying our own prayers, we need to learn this mode of praying, of this dependency on God as a father who loves us so we can keep coming to him, keep asking, keep knocking, and knowing that he loves giving us good things. Our prayer life becomes stale and dry when we lose that closeness with God, when we're praying to a God who feels distant or scary. But praying like Jesus means that we foster intimacy and cultivate closeness in our prayer life. It means that we have trust in God. It means that we are drawing near to a Father that we believe loves us enough to give us good things. Are we praying like that? Are my prayers the prayers of a child asking his or her father? Or am I like a client demanding a product from, a, from someone who want, I want to deliver? So at the end of the day, to revisit our initial question, I believe that prayer does work, but I don't think that prayer works for us as much as I believe that prayer works on us. Prayer isn't something that we do to achieve a goal. Prayer isn't something that a means to an end. Prayer is the goal. Prayer is the end. It is the thing that changes us to be more like God so that we grow in intimacy and trust with the Father. Prayer isn't something that works for us so that we can get what we want. Prayer is the thing that works on us so that we can become the kind of person who wants closeness with God. Prayer works because it changes us. It turns us into people who trust. It turns us into people who love better. And so today I believe God is calling us to cultivate a life of prayer and closeness and intimacy with God. He's calling you to pray like Jesus. Pray like someone who has utter trust in the goodness of God and will respond to that trust in love and affection. So I want us to get into a mode today of praying like Jesus. And if your prayer life has become stale, if you feel like you haven't been connecting with the Father in intimacy and closeness today, I want to invite you to come to the altar and pray. Tell him that you need him. Tell him that you want to be close to him. Tell him that you trust him to give you the good stuff. And that when that good stuff doesn't line up with your expectations, you can trust that what he gives you will be better. So our closing prayer today, I would like us to all to pray together the Lord's Prayer. Let's bow our heads and pray. Let's focus on the meaning of these words as we pray them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.